Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Lovely to see you, if not literally, then I can imagine you through the lens in your homes. Um, maybe you, like us, we've been doing one of these little Easter egg hunts around our home in our shoebox of a, of a lovely apartment in London. Uh, in the sofa, in the plants, maybe been hiding them under the toilet seat, all those creative spaces, you can have that one for free. But the, uh, the little Easter egg, it actually is a sign universally of new life. And as we come into springtime and... Uh, in all different cultures, we celebrate this new life that we have. In fact, I'm half Greek, and in Greek we say Christos Anesti. And just take a moment to shout out to my Greek grandma, Yaya, if you're watching, we're impressed that you made it online, and I really hope and pray, and it will need prayer, that this is better than Cyprus TV. That's a big ask, I know. Christos Anesti means Christ is risen, and within the Christian tradition, we celebrate not only the life of Jesus, but also his death and his resurrection. Now, if you know me, you know that I'm a big fan of the big man, Jesus. He's a good guy, and I just want to give you a bit of a backlog of his story. You see, in the Old Testament, which is the Jewish scriptures, we have all these prophecies. I don't know if you've seen The Matrix, but there's an oracle, and she gives these prophecies, these things she foretells that are going to happen. And so we have this backstory where the Jewish people, the people of Israel, are waiting for a Messiah, a savior king, to come and ransom and win back their nation, get them out of oppression, and ultimately bring healing to the world. So how does Jesus enter the scene? Does he come in like I would, like Arnold Schwarzenegger? I'm going to take you down! Like coming in with guns blazing, the savior king, little Harrison Ford coming in as Indiana Jones with his little whip and his gun, steely blue eyes. Comes as a a little baby, the conquering king. Give baby Jesus a kiss. It's the Christmas story. It's mental. Jesus comes in the middle of scandal. God from his glory steps down and comes to an an, an unwed mother, Mary, is filled with is pregnant and she's not married. It's a complete scandal. God speaks to her husband to be Joseph and says, Listen, Joe, don't worry about it, mate. I got this covered. You know the story. She goes, Where does he get born in a palace? Stinky stable. Mate, you couldn't make this stuff up. And this is it. This is the story of Jesus. He's then a refugee. The very people he came to save, he's on the run. And so you think, okay, Jesus, you've, you've had a bad start, but surely now, surely now you're five years old or you're 10 years old, you're going to reveal your glory. And he does for a moment when he's 12, but basically 30 years he lives in obscurity. This is God of the universe, glorious, steps down into human flesh and comes and is obscure for 30 years. What the heck's he thinking? Three years hits the scene and he's ministering in power. There are miracles happening. Blind eyes are opening. Deaf ears are opening. The lame are walking. And people are loving it, as you would, man. If I came to your party, obviously after lockdown, and I start popping off miracles, you're going to love it. People coming and they're loving it. And he's doing all this stuff. And he chooses for himself a little band of merry men, the disciples. And these guys, they're probably just teenagers, and they're not really the cream of the crop, which is what I love. I mean, like, like you could have chosen anyone, Jesus. These guys are tax collectors, hated by the Jewish people. Some of them are fishermen. Essentially, they haven't passed the bar exam to become good Pharisees, good, good rabbis at that time. And Jesus chooses them. And crazily, towards the end of his three years, one of them sells him out for a little bit of silver, and one of the other ones denies that he knows him three times. What is Jesus thinking? Now, in the midst of all this, 
Jesus makes these crazy claims. He says, I am the bread of life. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. Mate, if I came to your party, obviously after lockdown, and I start saying, have a nibble on this. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't, it's mental. It's, it was crazy then and it's crazy now. He said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. We would maybe find these kind of words penned by a rapper like Jay-Z or something, an egotistical rap lyric of saying how great you are. It's mental. He said, I am the light of the world. Before Abraham was, I am. C.S. Lewis, the famous writer of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe in the Narnia Chronicles, concludes that Jesus, making these claims, either had to be lying, he was just trying to deceive people, he had to be crazy just off his rocker, or could it be that his claims to be divine, his claims to be God, were, were true? Christopher Hitchens, the, the atheist writer, agrees with Lewis and says he's either a fanatic and a sorcerer if he's not divine. The reason I like about like this stuff that Jesus, this human, came into history and said this stuff is you can test it. Now, I realize this may raise more questions than it answers, but I'd encourage you today, if you do have questions about Jesus' existence, his death, maybe even the reliability of the Bible scriptures, look into it. I promise you that there is passable logical, historical, archaeological evidence to at least make a case for the fact that he could be who he says he was. Now, today, I want to focus on the Easter story because, hallelujah, it's Easter. So we're going to have a three, three readings that are based on three of the things that Jesus said on the cross. I'm going to hand over to Viv, who's going to read our first reading, which is from Luke 23, verses 32 to 38. And in these readings, we get a taste of why Jesus came to the earth. Luke 23, verse 32. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. Betrayed by those he loved. He's been sold out by his own people. He's been beaten. He's been scourged so much so that the flesh was ripped off of his back. He's been stripped naked. He's been mocked. He's been spat on. And now he's hanging on a cross with seven to nine inch nails through his hands and through his feet. Man, if I'm in that position, now's a great time to call in the angels. Come on, lads. Let's go. Let's kick ass. What does Jesus say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This is a beautiful truth that Jesus reveals to us. I am forgiven. You are forgiven. This is God's free gift to us as humanity. He forgives us, even over his dead body. Romans 5 verse 8 says this in the Bible. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves us at our worst. He loves us when we killed him. And he died to, to prove that fact that he loves us and forgives us. Forgiveness is not always a cool thing to want to request, but Jesus even said this, doctors don't come for the healthy, they come for the sick. In the same way, Jesus didn't come for the self-sufficient. He came for those of us who know we have a need. 
Don't let your heart be hard today. Don't let pride or fear stop you. Receive the forgiveness of, of your loving Father. It's a free gift. I want to go to our second reading where Jesus says something else. We're going to go to Mark chapter 15, verses 24 to 33. Then the soldiers nailed him to a cross. They divided his clothes and threw dice to decide who would get each piece. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. A sign announced the charge against him. It read, the king of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha, look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and teachers of religious law also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross so we can see it and believe him. Even the men who were crucified with Jesus ridiculed him. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus experienced the separation from God so that you and me could be close to God forever. Remarkable. I remember age 14 when I experienced this for the first time. I went to a big uh, youth camp where there was thousands of young people and every night they would have a big meeting with music and uh, someone sharing a sermon a bit like this. I used to get sick actually every night because my mum my being a good Greek woman had us in a strict routine and the change in bedtime, the change in meal times just threw me right off. But my youth leaders prayed for me on that last night. And I remember going in and I didn't leave because I felt fine. And I observed, as I looked around me, I saw many other young people who had serene looks on their faces. They were lifting hands in the music. Some of them were crying, some were laughing. And I just felt like they had something I didn't have. So for some reason, I just decided I was going to lift my hands in the music. And I experienced what I can only describe as waves of love, waves of peace, waves of joy and freedom. It felt like I was coming home. It felt like I'd found the reason for which I was made. The Bible, Jesus says that in John chapter 3, that this is what it means to be born again. He says, sometimes we don't see the wind, but we do see the effects of the wind. In the same way, I hadn't seen the Holy Spirit, but I'd experienced the rebirth. And I knew this was the case because when I went home, I knew I was different. Some of the things my peers were engaging in, I couldn't engage in it anymore. It was like my conscience had been awakened. But like any relationship, you have to invest in that relationship to have it be a good one. And I just did not know you could have God every day. In the last 10 plus years, I've had the privilege of journeying with Jesus. And beyond the logical evidence, he's the most kind, the most funny, generous, faithful friend, king, saviour. He's, he's amazing. And, and we, I highly recommend getting to know him. He's beautiful. And the cool thing is, because he was separated from the Father and because he sent his Holy Spirit, you can know him today. You can have a relationship, a lovely relationship with him. I remember my dad saying that some 30 years ago, he was in a small house meeting and there was someone playing music and he felt the presence of this being come into the room. And once he'd met God, he couldn't unmeet him. This is it. This is the cool thing. If Jesus is raised from the dead, if Christ is risen, you can meet him today. You can have a lovely relationship. I want to go to our third reading, which we can find in John chapter 19, verses 28 to 30. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. 
A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Because of God's love, we see in that first reading, we're forgiven. In the second reading, Jesus feels forsaken. We can be close to God. And thirdly, he says, it is finished. What is finished, Jesus? Well, firstly, sin is defeated on the cross. You may not know what sin is. Sin is a spiritual virus. It's a bit like the virus that we're sadly experiencing at the moment. We all know what the symptoms are, and we hope and pray for a cure. In the same way, sin... The symptoms are obvious. Hatred, deceit, murder, envy, strife, jealousy, lust. Ultimately, not being able to even do the right things that we know that we want to do. Jesus, thank you, Lord. He can destroy this in us. In fact, he destroyed it on the cross. And if we welcome him in to our lives, he can destroy these influences and give us a new heart and a new life. The Bible says you can become a new creation. And there's also a second it is finished that Jesus accomplished on the cross. When he went to the grave, Christians believe, and I believe with my whole heart, that Jesus rose again after three days and proved in his resurrection that death is defeated. Death is not the end, my friends. You can know that and have an assurance deep in your heart that you will have eternal life, that even after your body dies, that your spirit will live on. I remember some five, six years ago, I had the privilege of being by my granddad's bedside when he was slipping away. We'd been told because his dialysis had stopped to cl cleaning his kidneys that this would happen, but it still came as a shock to get the call. I traveled up to Cambridge and my granddad was conscious for the first few hours and then he began to go. And my nan had done an amazing job of looking after him in all of his suffering, but in this moment he was slipping away and me and my dad and my brother were in the room. It was a privilege. My dad, we held his hands, and my dad was commissioning him and telling him what a great dad he, was, he had been, and ultimately was sending him forth over the threshold into the next life with our blessing. I remember having a vision in my mind's eye in that moment. I saw my granddad stepping over death into heaven, being met and hugging Jesus, giving high fives to all the saints, and basically being safe and happy and whole. And where he'd had his leg amputated, it was whole again. Friends, if you don't have an assurance of where you're going when you die, that's one of Jesus' promises. You can know, if you simply put your trust in him, you can know where you're going when you die. You can be with him forever. And we can also have the hope that we will see loved ones again, all those friends we've lost, that we can see them again after this life. I remember this whole concept for me became alive when I was age 16. I was walking back from, from lunchtime with a friend back to school, and uh, we were approached by two boys. One of them shouted behind us, and we turned around. Oi, boys! I turned around being really streetwise, and the smaller of the two grabbed me while the other one chased my friend into the park. He said, what do you have for me? Now, I tried to psychologically outwit him. <laughs> I said, what do you have for me? And he looked confused for a millisecond, and then he whipped out the switchblade, and bang, he got me in the arm. I pinned his wrist by his side, and, and ultimately we had this dialogue where he realized I was a mugger's nightmare. Imagine the whole of Ocean's Eleven, and they get to the end, they're trying to defraud the casino, and all they get is Monopoly money. bit like that. I had cassette tapes, I had keys, I had a broken watch, I had no phone and no cash. Poor guy, I felt sorry for him. We walked to the middle of the park where my friend Joe was getting mugged, and this guy said, can't believe all you had was cassette tapes. And or, he said, I'm now going to get your mate. I'm like, I'm not going to let you take my mate two on one. I mean, what am I going to do? I've just been stabbed. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm <laughs> foolish. Or I said, I hope you like the chili peppers, because that was what was on the cassette tapes. Either way, he didn't like it. Dashed him to the ground. Bang, he got me in the chest. 
In that moment, quite frankly, I wanted to lamp him one. So I pulled him towards me, but thank God I had the presence of mind to realize one in the neck, one in the eye, and Johnny's gone night-night forever. Pushed him away, they ran off, Joe gets on a moped back to the school, I walk back like an absolute legend. And I knew I'd been stabbed, and the long story short is, I get airlifted to the Royal London Hospital, they sew me up, and after a few hours, they discharge me remarkably. Doctor says it on the camera. The BBC were there for some reason, and he says this. That young man should have been on the front page of the Evening Standard tonight because of where he was stabbed so close to the heart and the lungs. He shouldn't have survived. I remember waking up that night and, and seeing my dad leave the room, and uh, there was someone else patrolling at the foot of the bed after he'd left. I almost said something, but I decided not to, and uh, woke up in the morning and realized it was no one in my family. My uncle, who was a pastor at the time, he said to me, you know, Jonathan, in the Bible it says God sends his angels to protect us. I suddenly needed to know this wake-up call of my life as I faced death. I needed to know where I was going when I died, and I needed to know whether the experience I'd had when I was 14, whether Jesus was real and whether he wanted to be my friend. There had to be more to life than simply getting good grades, getting a good job, getting married, having some kids, then maybe going into a nice retirement home, and then what? Death. Is that it? Really? I wasn't enjoying school anyway, so that was a rubbish prospect. Do you know what I mean? Suddenly, I became convicted that at the end of my life, I was going to have to stand before God and give an account for the things I'd done. But I also had a conviction that Jesus had forgiven me. When he died on the cross, he paid for my forgiveness, that I could be close to him now in this life, and that when I did die, I would know that I'd be with him forever. Amazing promises. The Bible says it like this. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Don't not find out. Jesus makes these crazy claims, and you can test them because he was a human in history, but he claims to have the keys to eternal life. He claims that he can be your friend and be with us through the trials and the hard times, and he claims that your conscience can be clear because you can be forgiven. You can receive that gift right now today. In my experience, Jesus is the most lovely, the most kind, the most beautiful, which is why I harp on about him all the time. I think he's brilliant. But here's the crazy thing. I also have a conviction that all of us have met God in our own way, in a cool glass of water on a hot day, or a connection with a friend, or when we hear children laugh, or the leaves falling, all the blossom in springtime, or when a pregnant mother gives birth, the miracle of new life. This are taste, these are tastes of, of what God is like. You've seen God in these moments. And today, God just wants to take you on the next step. He wants you to know his name, and he wants to have a deep relationship with you person to person and talk to you like a friend. I don't know if you've ever heard this before. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Maybe you still have questions. If you have questions, that's fine. Please don't commit intellectual suicide. Keep asking questions. I would love to hear from you. You can email us. I'd love to chat further. But maybe you've heard enough. This is a spiritual reality. It's brain, some of it, but it's also heart. And just if it's true, it will resonate with you. God wants to meet you today. And maybe you've never asked him, but he can. It's very simple because he's real. You just have to ask him. I'm going to say a quick prayer now. And if you want to meet God for the first time and receive all these brilliant gifts, forgiveness of our sins, being close to him, and then having an assurance of where we go when we die, you can have it for free. And secondly, if you want to be filled with God's spirit and just know him and experience his loveliness just more and more, we're going to say the same prayer together. It's real simple. It's a thank you, thank you, sorry, please prayer. I'll pray it. And why don't you just say the words after me? Jesus Thank you that you came.
You died on a cross to show me that I am loved. Sorry, I've sinned. I need forgiveness. Thank you, I'm now forgiven. Please fill me right now with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Father's love and show me beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are with me and you love me. Amen. Now, just where you are, just stay for a moment. The Holy Spirit is present just as he was when I was 14 and just as he's been for me for the last 10 years. And he wants to meet with you right now. Some of you may feel like a clarity, a waterfall of clarity on your heart and on your mind like you've never felt before. Some of you may feel just, you might be finding you get a bit emotional. That's okay. These are just signs of the Holy Spirit pouring out God's love into your heart. Maybe you don't feel anything. Well, here's the good news. God's good at introducing himself. If you want to meet him, he'll come get you. I promise you that. Over his dead body, will he not? And here's the cool thing. If you've prayed that prayer, you can know for sure. Jesus says anyone who confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart, you will be saved. The cool thing is the Holy Spirit's good at his job. And that fruit of new life, he's going to bear it in you if you've prayed that prayer. And hey, if you're not ready to yet, there's still time. You ask him. And if you've got questions, let us know. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.